Hey loves, welcome to the Tantric Activation Podcast with Sarah Rose, the number one podcast for men and women who want to become the most sexually confident version of themselves and have a relationship that is the secure foundation and fuel for every other aspect of their lives. Tantric Activation is for anyone seeking to optimize their potential. My name is Sarah Rose. I'm a world-renowned sex and relationship coach and the founder of Tantric Activation. On my website, tantricactivation.com, you can find information about my men's and women's coaching programs. On this podcast, I'll show you how to tap into Tantra to take control and transform your life into one that you're passionate about on every single level. Let's jump in. Down Hey loves, welcome to Tantric Activation and today I'm going to go a little bit more into this whole thing about powerful women and this is important because this is something that needs to be addressed in society and we need more powerful women um, especially ones that have this real healthy integrated aspect of them um, so that way we can continue to have progress and move society forward and I know the men that I work with in my man on fire program are all guys that are super on board with this and totally love powerful women because they are very, very confident men. And that's really the key. It's like when I get asked the question about, you know, why is society so hesitant around confident, powerful women? It's like, well, actually, the only ones that are still uncomfortable with this are the ones that really are insecure. So that's what we're going to be looking at again today. Last week, we started talking about this topic. I was interviewed by the press and went over part of that interview last week, and we're going to go into some of this more this week so you can hear more about my story and who I am and why I do what I do and just my view on this. So uh, I'll give you some of the questions that I was asked and some of the information that I provided to them. Um, So they wanted to know about my childhood backstory. And this is something that I've shared before, but if you're new you may have not heard it. So I grew up in a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, It was really a very sheltered upbringing that I had. It was in an evangelical Christian church. My dad was the pastor of the church. My mom was the principal of the school that I went to, and that school was part of the church. So I really had very limited outside influence in my life. And after leaving Arizona, I spent several years of my adult life reconditioning myself out of the religious ideology that I was raised with. And so many of the people that I work with, they struggle sexually because they were raised in religious environments that actually turned them against the sexual nature of their bodies. The way that I got onto the career path that I'm on was uh, I actually moved to New York City when I was 17 years old. I left Arizona two weeks out of high school and I came to New York to be a model. I was dying to get out of Arizona, and I just really was desperate to explore something more exciting. Um, Pretty much as soon as I got here, maybe a couple months later, I met somebody, a man, and I ended up getting married to him when I was 18 years old. 
Uh, it was really common in the community that I grew up with to get married young like that. A lot of my friends from high school did. My parents got married really young like that. You know, even though it's like totally unheard of here in New York, it was pretty normal for my upbringing. So unfortunately, the person that I married um, was diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder and bipolar disorder. But I didn't know this at the time. I didn't even know what these things were. You, but through Throughout my marriage, I was very unhappy. I was really shut down. Um, but because of my religious upbringing, I didn't believe that divorce was an option. Even when he had multiple affairs, I thought it was my job to make the marriage work. So I started practicing yoga when I was in New York, um, and I practiced yoga for a really long time, probably a decade. Um, during that time, I eventually started exploring other spiritual paths. Um, I was very clear that Christianity no longer worked for me. Like that was very clear pretty soon after moving to New York. I was around so many people, so much diversity. Being in New York really provided this unique opportunity to see the world through a different lens. So many different cultures coming together to coexist. I mean, there's no way that you can walk the streets of New York and not come across many races and cultures and religions and uh, ethnicities and languages spoken and uh, ways of viewing the world. And, you know, it's not something we can just sit around and fight about. Like we got to get into the subway, <laughs> got to get across the, the, the street before the, before the light changes, you know, it's a, it's a totally different world. Like, and so when you're in a situation like I was here, I suddenly was like, wow, you know, not everyone is like me. And I really don't think that they're all going to hell. And so Christianity very quickly did not work for me, but I still had this uh, conditioning that I was needing to work through. And it was hard to fully overcome that conditioning. It took me quite a while. Uh, eventually I found Tantra and through those practices, I was able to heal. I was finally strong enough to get out of the marriage that I was in. I went to India, received training there to teach Tantra. Um, when I was in India, the second time that I went, I was introduced to my guru. Uh, when I came back to the U.S. after after that, I met a man that was in the same tantric lineage as me, and we became lovers for two years. We explored tantra together, we explored tantric sex, and after our relationship ended, that was a really pivotal time for me because I was dating, I was having conventional sex again, and it was so unsatisfactory that I decided to create the worldwide brand that I have now created that would teach people how to have sex in ways that would blow their minds and change their lives the way that tantric sex had done for me. So it was really this, this need even to create my company. Uh, so that way I could help many people, but also help myself <laughs> as I was out there dating again. So, um, 
there's, you know, a lot of interesting stories that have happened since I began my career. I could probably give you an interesting story for every single day of my career. Uh, but one of the things that has has really been eye opening is how strong prejudices that there still are in society about sex and specifically about women's sexuality. So even just recently, someone told me that my business should just focus on relationships, not sex, to not tarnish my brand. And I was like, uh, well, isn't good sex like a part of a healthy relationship? And this is really one of the big problems that we have in society is this disconnect of sex and even relationships and healthy sexuality versus, you know, just porn or, you know, sex that isn't fulfilling to people. I do think that we are making progress. You know, I'm seeing this all the time that we're making progress, but we do still have quite a ways to go. Uh, one of the questions asked me in this interview, they said, you are a successful business leader. What three character traits do you think were most instrumental to your success? And could I please share a story or example for each? So immediately what came to me was focus, discipline, and relentlessness. So since starting my practice of Tantra in 2011, I have dedicated literally hours of my day to mastering it and teaching it in the most effective ways. So when I started my company, I didn't have a team. I didn't have an education in business. It's not like I came out of, you know, Columbia Business School or something like that. I was figuring it out one day at a time. Uh, from the beginning of my company, I've worked easily 16 hour days, sometimes more. Uh, thankfully, I work smarter now, but at that time I was trying to figure out the basics. Uh, I did not have a romantic relationship during that time. Uh, I had only very select friendships for years as I focused on creating my company. Growing my business and raising my kids were literally all that mattered. There was a time when the depth of my start became too much. I sold my house and I moved into a rental to have the cash to keep going. So it has definitely been a, a, a journey. It's not just been this like, oh, throw some photos up on Instagram and suddenly I have a business. No, like it's a very, uh, it's been a very, very, very long journey to get to this point of having a successful company. So the primary focus of this interview that I did uh, was the on the premise that assumes that our society still feels uncomfortable with strong women. And they wanted to know why I think this is so. So a male-dominated society has existed for so long that it's what most people, both men and women, are comfortable with. So the status quo is comfortable. That feels good, right? Most people want to feel comfortable. Even highly driven people that eat 
difficult situations for breakfast, they have many areas of their life where they default to what is comfortable. So it really does take courageous men and women boldly making it the new normal to accept strong women in society. So fear is a huge motivator. And there are people out there that would literally rather kill than face the fear of change. So there's a psychological condition called intolerance of uncertainty in which uncertain circumstances feel unbearable. So from a rational perspective, it seems very ridiculous that a powerful woman would cause such fear, but fear is not rational. So this fear of powerful women has been ingrained into society for thousands of years. Women have been killed for being anything other than what men said they could be. So women did what was necessary for their survival, right? So those fears are passed on through epigenetics. And so again, even though they're not rational fears in our modern society, they are still there regardless. So my experience has been 100% that truly confident men don't feel uncomfortable with strong women. Truly confident women don't feel uncomfortable with strong women. Those that are uncomfortable, maybe they're wearing a mask of confidence on the outside, but they don't have real confidence. They don't have internal confidence, all right? And this is something that's important to understand. So, you know, if you find yourself triggered by women that are powerful and confident, Look at that in yourself. What areas of growth are there for you? I was asked to share a story from my own experience that illustrates this idea. And the first thing that came to mind is that I receive emails on a nearly daily basis that are harassing, that are degrading. I've received a death threat and worked with the FBI to stop the man. These men that do this, they feel so out of control in their lives that they try to diminish me in an effort to feel some sense of power. So again, like I said, this is coming from a place of insecurity. This is not from confident, powerful men. This is from weak, insecure men that this is happening. So I was also asked, what should a powerful woman do in a context where she feels that people are uneasy around her? A woman should always do what she feels is best for her in the given circumstance. So if her safety is at risk, she should prioritize that. In other situations when it's not a safety concern, I encourage women to be confident, own their power, be comfortable in their own skin. That's how we make progress. Uh, I also let women know, like women that I work with, though, they get so turned on, so fire so empowered with their sexuality and i remind them and this is something i had to learn for myself uh, to not put their pearls before swine and the world is full of a lot of fucking swine and our pearls our jewels our sexuality this life force energy that we have 
is not for everyone. And so to be aware of that, to be cautious of that. But this is how we make progress when women own their power, when they're comfortable in their own skin uh, and, you know, to to have awareness as they as they do this as well. Um, what do we need to do as a society to change the unease around powerful women? So, of course, there needs to be more powerful women shown in the media and politics and boardrooms and sports just everywhere. But most importantly, where I see the change occurring is in homes. So mothers need to be powerful and fathers need to encourage their children's mothers to be powerful. My children will grow up knowing that powerful women are normal because of their life with me. And this is really how we change the next generation. So if you have a woman in your life, encourage that in her, encourage her to be powerful, encourage her to model that for your children if you have children. There was a question around women having to endure ridiculous or uncomfortable situations to achieve success that uh, in a way that men don't have to endure. And they want to know if I had a story like this from my own experience. So I was actually on a Zoom call today with a man that said he was interested in signing up to work with me. He's struggling with erectile dysfunction. Uh, he told me that his penis is a good size when it's erect, but he can't get an erection and so it's small. So he then proceeded to pull out his phone and asked if I wanted to see a photo of his erect penis. I said, no, I do not. And he started to show me anyway. I told him that I did not want to see this photo and to put his phone away. And he continued to put his phone in front of the camera anyway. He then went on to say that I was difficult and he demanded that I refund him for the call. So I just very simply let him know that what he had done was illegal and to never contact me again. So this is a situation that it's very unlikely that a man would have to deal with. Um, these are things that situations that a woman would be put in, but a man very likely would not. What are the biggest challenges faced by women leaders that aren't typically faced by their male counterparts? So from what I have experienced and observed, women are less likely to be taken seriously. Uh, women are less likely to be considered intelligent. Women are less likely to be listened to. Um, women are also more likely to be sexualized in non-sexual situations. We then went on to talk about like personal life and family life and how to fit that in with business and career, which I know is something that many people struggle with. So, you know, this is definitely something that I've had to work with. There are so many times that I would rather be with my kids or, you know, spending time out on a date. You know, thankfully, I love what I do, but it is still a career and my relationship are really what matter. So I have to choose to put work away. Like no one's going to die if it doesn't all get done 
today, but I will miss my kids' lives if I don't spend time with them. You know, I'm really grateful for the example that I give my kids, and I know that I'm raising them to be independent and empowered, and yet, like, there is still this part of me that feels guilty, you know? I'm not the mom that's on the PTA. I'm not in the kitchen making dinner every night, you know, but I will say that they, uh, <laughs> they enjoy some of Manhattan's finest food that gets delivered so it's not like they are starving by any means <laughs> we are foodies around here definitely foodies and but as far as like what has helped me achieve a greater balance or greater equilibrium between my work life and my personal life I don't think that there really was this tipping point. It's just a choice that I have to make every single day. You know, some days work has to be done and there's no other option. As a business owner, it's really up to me to make sure that everything is moving forward, but make a conscious effort to have fun with my kids. My dad was always fun and I remember that and I want my kids to remember me that way. As far as a relationship, I wasn't ready to commit to that until my company reached a certain level of success that I was comfortable with. I was also asked in this interview uh, about my philosophy or perspective about beauty. So, you know, I was asked how much of an emphasis do I place on my appearance? Do I see beauty as something that is superficial or is it something that has inherent value for a leader in a public context? And I thought this was a good question. My mom is very beautiful. And while I was never pressured to be a certain way, an emphasis on appearance was modeled for me. So my mom spent time on her appearance and I do the same. And I'm glad I learned that from her. For me, it's fun. Uh, I modeled, I worked in the fashion industry. Aesthetic sensibilities are a part of my makeup. I like to be in beautiful environments. I like to feel beautiful. I do what I like. And I just don't really worry much about anyone else, except if I'm dating someone. So, you know, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, I know what he likes and I like to have fun with that. Um, feminists may be very indignant to hear that I would dress for a man, but I do. And I do it because it's what I want to do. I like turning him on. It's my choice. It's not something I feel forced to do. I do it because that makes me feel happy. And the key is that I do what I want. Like beauty may be superficial, but um, so is eating at my favorite five-star restaurant or spending summers in the Hamptons, but I still do that simply because I like to. It's what I want to do. I have fun. I enjoy it. So I do it. Um, I don't think that beauty has inherent value for female leaders. I think women will be judged either way. For women that focus on beauty, they may receive more attention, but they may also be seen as less intelligent and mocked for focusing on appearance. Women that don't focus on beauty may be criticized for not living up to ridiculous standards, but they may be more respected in business. So as a woman, my opinion is that the key to winning this no-win battle that the patriarchy has designed for us 
is to just give it the middle finger and do whatever the fuck we want. So, uh, you know, and is there similarities in this for men or is it different? There are different expectations. We talk on the show a lot about the expectations that men have, um, you know, but it's different. A woman that is overweight would likely not get the same respect that an overweight man would. Um, it seems more strange in society for a man to have Botox than for a woman to have Botox. For men, expensive clothing or watches, they're more of a symbol of success than a beauty requirement. Based on my opinion and experiences, five things that are necessary to thrive and succeed as a powerful woman are, number one, supportive relationships. It's the most important thing. My best friends are everything to me. I'm fortunate enough to have four really close friends that I'm in contact with almost daily, and they know the real me. Like I can be so honest with them about my struggles, about my triumphs, and more importantly, I can just laugh with them. Like we have a shared history. Life with them is easy, and these amazing people have supported me through so much, and I just love and adore them and so grateful for them. Um, coaches. I regularly have coaches in my life to help me with my continued personal and business development. I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't had coaches help me get here. This is why I'm so passionate about coaching. I know firsthand how it changes a life. My own life is a prime example of how coaching transforms a life. And I still have coaches and I will always have coaches in my life. Um, having a team is so important. I cannot do it all on my own. Thankfully, I have a strong team to help me, and I really value the people that I have. They do excellent work. It's so important to me that my clients receive the highest quality experience possible when working with me, and having the right team in place makes that possible. You know, if somebody is on my team and we're not getting excellent results, that person needs to go. Like, it's so important to have uh, a quality team in place. Uh, quiet time is the next important thing. So I am an introvert that is functioning as an extrovert all day. So time to myself is very, 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 very necessary, especially with as much exposure as I have. I need my space to be alone, to center, to ground, to process all that's going through my head. Uh, fun, of course, is so important. I am my business. And if I'm not having fun and enjoying my life, why is anyone going to want to work with me? They're not. When I'm having fun, that's the energy I bring to my clients and they're going to have more fun. I actually went ahead and added in a sixth one because this is also so important and I couldn't leave it out. So exercise, like I drop my kids off at school in the morning. I go directly to work out. It is a non-negotiable 
nobody gets access to me until after my workout. I don't schedule meetings until after I work out. Keeping my body healthy and strong is good for me. It's good for my business. It's good for my mental state. And it's something that I encourage all of you, make sure you are exercising regularly. And then the last question that I got, which I really loved was, you know, is there someone in the world that I would love to have a private breakfast with or a lunch with and why? And I said that this was so easy. Of course, who else could it possibly be but Madonna? She is my idol. She's the ultimate female entrepreneur and always has been groundbreaking when what I have gone through as a woman in the field of sexual empowerment is nothing compared to what she has gone through in her career. And much of what I am able to do as a woman is a result of the trailblazing that Madonna has done. So I'm very grateful to her. There were times, many times during the early years of creating my company that I felt very discouraged. Um, and when I did, I would watch the replay of Madonna giving her woman of the year speech uh, for her award that she won uh, in, uh, from Billboard Women in Music. That speech was my inspiration to keep going. And I remember watching it with my 90-year-old grandmother and she had tears in her eyes as she recalled all that women had gone through in her lifetime. So very grateful for, for Madonna. She's been a long time inspiration to me. And if you haven't seen that uh, video, I recommend checking it out. It's a very inspirational speech. All right. So that was the interview that I did I hope you find some inspiration in it. If you are also an entrepreneur or business owner, leave a comment for me. Let me know if this resonated with you at all. I know many of you are successful entrepreneurs as well and will recognize the similarities in this journey. So kisses to you all. Love you so much. I'll see you next week. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode and to find out more about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight.